It's noon here in Ventnor City, New Jersey, and our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., and this is news that you can use from Courage for Thursday, February 8th, with your host, me, Ray, and, uh, well, the other guy, Zach. How are you today, handsome? Yeah, there you go. Usually you say something kind about me. I'm doing great, Dad. Happy Thursday to everyone. Let's talk about used car prices today. The market's normalizing a little bit, which is good to see. However, wholesale used car prices are down 55, almost 56% from their pandemic highs. However, retail prices, Dad, are down only 33%. We're going to run through the latest data. And I would just like to start here if you're up for it. Let's, Let's start with a live experiment. I track, is that okay with you? Do you mind if we start there? I, you know, whatever, I will just say context, grasshopper. We need context. Well, yeah, we're down. We're down 56% from a high that was the highest high we've ever seen before. They've given back 56% of their, of, of the high watermark. It's not, they're not down 56%. It's, it's half of, of, of what the increase had been. That's the context. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, let's look at it. We'll pull it up on the screen. We'll start with the data, then we'll go to the live experiments. This was posted over on Wall Street. Great analysis over there. I encourage everyone to take a peek. So I'm going to scroll down here. So here's what you're talking about, Dad. Here is the Mannheim Used Vehicle Value Index. It is down 56% from its all-time highs. However, look how high it went up pre-pandemic so that is what you're commenting on here is it's a 56 percent decline from all-time highs yeah still dead material declines retail prices are down 33 percent from their all-time highs again yes. material but yes it doesn't mean that you know a, a, a car's price well does it not mean that a car's price dropped 56 percent? because now you're confusing me man no it means that, that it just means that that if they've given up half of what what the what yeah. that gain had been, it doesn't mean that that the value of the vehicle has dropped fifty six percent. That's why I say context, grasshopper. We need context, okay? Because when we say wholesale used car prices crash fifty six percent, that's not quite accurate. It's they've given up fifty six percent of their high water mark. Two different things. Yeah, they haven't point. crashed fifty six percent. They've they've gone down to some degree, but they haven't they haven't gone down fifty six percent. And retail prices haven't gone down thirty three percent. Retail prices have gone down what about eight or nine percent? That's but they've given back thirty three percent of their all time high. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, and and so. Um, not not to uh not not to try and make you feel bad but you know when we when we have headlines like that and people go talk about clickbait um yeah that that would that would that would qualify for the clickbait hall of fame uh good thing good thing this is a team show and not just me solo i think yeah. that we both benefit from one another thanks for the breakdown and the explanation there pops let's go to the live experiment because let's th- let's talk about no matter what the decline is Right, we've acknowledged that the decline isn't actually fifty-six percent. There's been a fifty-six percent give back yes. of all of the increase. So that makes sense. There's still an impact downstream on trade-ins, and I'd love to spend a couple minutes talking about that, Dad. I want to zoom in here. I I track myriad vehicles with Carvana. Yes. You guys can see that here. 
in my email inbox. Let's start with this. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's a 2018 Honda Accord. This time that we've seen that used car prices, wholesale and retail decline, Carvana has actually increased their offer on this Honda Accord down in Miami, Florida. You already know where I'm going to go, man. I want to go to the website. Yes. I click on sell trade. And you know what I'm going to do? I want to see what the offers are for this vehicle. If I'm not mistaken, it had 61,000 miles on it. So let's put that in. And it was in 33101 is Miami, if I'm not mistaken. All right. Clean. We own it. We own it. What do you think, Dad? Do you think that Carvana is going to be the high watermark here? Or do you think others are going to offer more? Um, Again, they've increased their value while wholesale and retail prices have gone down on a trade-in, which I think is. I, I think I think the Honda is still a popular car. I think Carvana is probably light. Um, I also think that there's less players to bid on it. You know, with Vroom going out of business. Um, but I think they're probably a tad light. Just All right, based on, again. Just based on shortages. Carvana has increased the value of this vehicle by 600 bucks in a month. Yes. While wholesale prices have given back 56% of their all-time high. And let's come over here to, yeah, look at that, CarGurus with a $15,754 offer. So maybe, I don't know, we'll do the Mazda here in just a couple minutes. Maybe we're starting to see a little bit of like upward pressure on prices again. Like maybe, even though prices well, have come down so much. Yes. And and the reason for that is twofold. Huh. A, it's the it's the eighth of February. So used car dealers and other dealers are going to want to stock up on their used car inventory for tax return and spring selling season. So that this is normal seasonality when we start to see that. Um, and the other reason is, and this is the most important reason, hmm. we are still short used car inventory from um, earlier in the, when we had the pandemic and there were no lease returns there. There were just a shortage of used cars for dealers to buy. New cars didn't exist. Used car values went up. So there's still that, that inherent shortage of used cars. And because of that, we will continue to see used car retail prices higher than they normally would have been. And, and even though... Um, wholesale used car prices have given back 56% of their high watermark, they're still going to remain higher than they had been pre-pandemic. And that yeah. shortage of cars isn't going to be resolved for another, I I personally believe, not till the end of the decade. So let's let's put a visual to it. So what you're saying here, Dad, is this chart that shows the Mannheim used vehicle value index. You don't expect it to go all the way back to where it was in 2018, 2019, 2020. No, that, no, because there's correctly? because there's there, there's a shortage. There were there were 15 million new cars that were scheduled to be built that weren't built during the pandemic. Not all of them were meant for the United States, but but if we say it was 10 million in the United States. And let's say on, on 10 million sales, 
60% of the people trade something in. There were 6 million trade-ins that didn't happen. Okay, so that's 6 million vehicles that should have been in the used car um, um, atmosphere, used buyer sphere, whatever the hell you want to call it. Yeah, so ecosystem, perfect. And and they're not. They're missing. And so how do you make that up? Well, you know, we sold in this country about 15 and a half million new cars last year, which is still well below the high water mark of what, 17 and a half or 18 million that we did a few years ago, seven, eight years ago. So yeah. Even though new car sales are up, they're not up enough to to bring in enough trades to to add to the ecosystem of used cars. It's just so there's there's going to continue to be that shortage, and that shortage is going to impact wholesale and retail values for the foreseeable future, at least in my humble opinion. Yeah, no, I think you're I think you're likely spot on. We actually have some assessment from someone that's a friend of the channel, Brandon, over at Car Questions Answered. He posted this just the other day that I want to get your take on it. He said, this is what I expect used car prices to do. Prop, uh, pop at tax time followed by a seasonal crash that is typical in the car market, then back to a downtrend throughout the rest of the year. You can see his highly technical drawing here yes. on the Cox Automotive Manheim used vehicle value index. Again, very... Very, very technical. But yeah, I mean, this is his assessment, right? We'll see a pop, which again, to the, to the uh, example normal. we just did. We, and, and for, again, the example we just did with that Carvana offer was, was actually seven, seven, $800 light. $764 more, yes. I don't know if that would have been the case a month ago, but the fact that we're going into tax time, this is when we actually start to see some upward pressure on prices. The expectation then being that they'll fall again on the other side of that, which is exactly what they did last year and likely what they'll do again this year. And which is why, you know, my, my key takeaway going into 2024 was that we were going to return to normal seasonality. And, and what, what Brandon's chart depicts is normal seasonality. It's not something we've seen for the last three and a half, four years. But it's something that's coming back. Um, so, and and the reason for that is, it, the whole thing has been unsustainable, and and the unsustainability of it is finally is finally becoming obvious. So, yeah, it's it's reasonable, normal, historical seasonality is what we're going to see. So you'll see a slight spike going into spring selling and tax time. After tax season, normally you see used car values, uh, both on the wholesale and the retail side, go down. They're not going to go down as much as they normally would have because there will still be that shortage, the overall shortage of used cars in the ecosystem. And and the reason, part of it is, don't forget, pre-pandemic, there were about 3 million used cars available and today that number is somewhere around two million two hundred and fifty thousand so we're seven hundred and fifty thousand units short yeah where are they coming from 
They're not coming from lease, lease returns. Um, so there, there's, there's no way to make up for that 750,000. So with that type of shortage, wholesale values and retail values, even though they're coming down are still going to be higher than they normally would have been or should. Let's do one more, one more example here. I've got another one from Carvana queued up 2019 Mazda, Mazda three. Again, this actually has had a 13.2% price increase from Carvana in the past 30 days. $1,691 in, in increase in their offer to $14,491. I'm back on cars.com slash sell. I've got it loaded in here. Let's do it, Dad. That's a huge increase. 13% yes. positive increase in one month. What do you make of that? Um, well, I think Carvana had it undervalued to begin with. I, I still think it's going to come up with more than that um because a it's a compact car b even if somebody as a on a wholesale level paid a little more than that they can still retail it for under 20 grand and vehicles under 20 grand good vehicles nice vehicles are hard to come by and people will pay for those especially when um you know the average asking price of a pre-owned oh my god i was so wrong on this one um Wow. The the average asking price is is uh, twenty six thousand dollars today. So, yeah, yeah, but there you go. Carvana is buying away the highest offer. The next close on that one, yeah. Dealers Network, Echo Park at eleven five. So yeah, it's as we always say on here. I'm glad we're not in the used car business, man. I mean, this is just the price volatility, even amidst you know, uh, I, uh, some normalization happening. Like we haven't pulled it up today, but the black book depreciation is exactly what the black book depreciation should be. It was a third of a yes, point week yes. over week. It was exactly what it should be. It's not like those weeks that we saw it dropping one, 2% per week. So it's normalizing a little bit, yet there's still wildly different offers out there. I, I will say this. I have never been happier to be out of the car business than I am today. Um, if you... It's still all about inventory management, but if you have a dealership to run that sells both new and used cars, it is difficult at best to read the used car market in in many ways. Um, and as we see more and more EVs enter the used car market or EVs become trade-ins, it's harder and harder for dealerships to figure out how to appraise a a used EV. Many dealerships are absolutely uh, afraid to do it. I I know this. There's the auto news article from this morning, Dad. Yes, I I know. If if I was running a dealership today, I I would I would make it a point to only have a pre-owned manager or pre-owned managers or sales managers who thoroughly understand EVs, what makes them tick, what's important about an EV, what can go wrong with an EV. Even though people assume that I hate and bash EVs, I understand that for the foreseeable future, they're going to increase um, sales-wise, volume-wise, and that you just have to learn how to deal with them so that 
I would want my staff to be quasi experts in EVs so that they could make intelligent decisions when it comes to trading them, marketing them, uh, having sales staff that understands them and knows how to sell them. Because if you don't, you're in big trouble. And, and, most dealerships out there, and maybe I shouldn't say most, but my my suspicion would be is that the majority of dealerships out there uh, don't subscribe to that theory. Their used car managers have been doing this for 35 years, and they don't know from EVs, and they don't want to know from EVs, and they're not interested in learning about EVs. And that could come back to haunt dealerships moving forward. In my opinion, look, I mean, headline and automotive news today was dealers want better answers to used EV questions, including reliability and valuation. Better valuation processes could help dealers and consumers understand a used EV's condition. And then, you know, over in Bloom, there's Tesla's transparent price cutting is, quote, poison for used EV values. Car leaser Avens says practice hurts Tesla and broader. Broader market. So yeah, to your point, that used car market is super volatile, has been. And again, where we led today's show, I'll pull it back up on the screen just so everyone has the context that joined maybe a little late. Mannheim used vehicle value index is down 56% from its all-time highs. Retail prices from their all-time highs are down 33% as well. So it's been an incredibly volatile used car market. This chart demonstrates that fairly effectively. It's insane. (laughs) how expensive used cars got, and now throw in electric vehicles. And there's even more confusion about what the value of vehicles can and should be. Go for it. Here, here's an interesting thought that just occurred to me. You know, yeah. we have that 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 three quarters of a million shortage of used cars mm-hmm. in, 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 the, in the used car ecosphere. Um, ecosystem, but yeah. And, and, Perhaps one of the ways to make up for that is the trading of EVs, is is retailing used EVs. And if dealers don't understand that, then they, they, they can't catch up. They can't build their inventories up enough to be able to do something about that lack of $750,000 or 750,000 vehicles. So the the increase and influx of used EVs can present an opportunity mm-hmm. for some an opportunity. for some used car operators that it's a understand that opportunity. market. It's a, it's a scary opportunity, Dad. Look at what happened earlier this year to Carvana Vroom and CarMax when Tesla uh, <laughs> slashed prices yeah. with you know, we talked about EVs a little bit yesterday on the show. Teslas do represent the most affordable electric vehicle on the market for, for pretty much every use case. But what happens when they slash their prices, their MSRPs? All these used car dealers that were holding that inventory. Remember, CarMax liquidated their Tesla inventory in like yes. two weeks. I remember yeah. car dealers, the guy was tracking it on Twitter. It was hilarious. It was like, he was posting screenshots every other day. It's like, they have 600 Teslas for sale. Then they had 300. Then they had 100. Then they had 10. Yeah. You just had to liquidate. So it's, it's an opportunity, and it's also really scary uh, as an operator because you could get burned pretty damn quickly. And, and I don't know if you remember, at that time, many, many dealerships said, we won't trade an EV. 
They, yeah. they, you know, they they couldn't figure out what the EV's value would be. Was so yeah. so that you know many operators would you know if they were blue book or black book or whatever book there is for EVs, um, ebook. I don't know. Um, you know, a, a dealer might look at it and go, okay, they they say it's worth thirty. Um, I'll trade it for twenty. You know, and if I can't trade it for twenty, I'm not trading for it. So. You know, there's there's this fear, yeah, and and a lot of a, a lot of that fear prevents dealers. Um, what was that? Garbage can book. I, I like that. Cute. Okay, but 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 that fear can can cause dealerships not to be able to operate at at their highest efficiency um, because they've succumbed to that fear. Highest efficiency means they justify even more lowballing on traded. So that's a that's a that's a kind way of uh, saying the same thing. Can we go to the chat here for a second? Of course pop? we can. Awesome. And before we do, I want to remind everyone that today's show brought to you by our company, damn it, CarEdge.com. Dad, just yesterday we had a record for the number of website visitors to CarEdge.com. Do you have any guesses what that number was? Guesses in the chat as well. It was a one day single day record. To CarEdge.com, which blew our team away. What do you think, Dad? And then we're going to the chat. Twelve. It was more than twelve. <laughs> twelve thousand. More than twelve thousand. Twenty thousand. More than twenty thousand. A hundred thousand. Less than a hundred thousand. <laughs> Fifty thousand. We had thirty-five thousand website visitors yesterday. Wow, that's a lot, isn't it? You know, when you consider that we started at none. Yeah, exactly. What I think. That could be. <laughs> Stick around to the end of the show. If folks are interested. I'll pull that up. We can all look at that. It's so cool. It's so cool. It's so cool. I, I've been making, you know, I made my first website when I was, what, like 10 years old, Dad? So it's just Something wild. Like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, what was I the name of that one? Just, just, just to remind folks, the name of that website, I think Zach was 10 or 11 years old. It was moneymakingguru.com. Yep. Yeah, that goes into the Internet Hall of Fame right there, ladies and gentlemen. Yep, and I wrote and I wrote about my first business, which was a pooper scooper business, picking up dog poop in my yes. neighborhood. All right, let's keep it moving here, Dad. <laughs> James, thank you for the contribution. Thank you, really James. Appreciate it. Really, really appreciate it. The economics of supply and demand still drives how markets operate. Spot on, Ray. Do you think since OEMs have mainly made higher-end models lately that prices will remain elevated for entry-level used cars due to low supply? And the question's to you, Pops. I'm, I'm curious what you think. Well, uh, yeah, because there's very few... What is it? Less than 10% of, of um, new cars available are have an MSRP of what was it less than $30,000 or was it $20,000? I forget, but it's, it's yeah. really, it's really a relatively small percentage. So if, if there's fewer of those available to begin with, then, then the few used ones that are available uh, become like hen's teeth and, and, yep. and hen, hens don't have teeth. So hence they're worth a lot more money. Um, and so, yeah, and, 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 you know, let's face it, the, the manufacturers keep producing the cars they're producing because people keep buying the cars that they're producing. 
And until enough people stop, then they're just going to, you know, there's no, even though we scream there's an affordability issue in this country and that manufacturers should do something about it, they don't care if they're selling every last one of their high profit margin, high content, overpriced vehicles. Well, they yeah, exactly. have no reason to cater to the rest of us that want something that that we might consider affordable. They are still catering to the 17% of the population that believes they can afford to, to buy a new car, as opposed to the 83% of the population that feels as if they can't. So yeah. maybe when that number becomes 90% of the population feels like they can't participate and only 10% can, maybe at that point, manufacturers will feel compelled to have to adjust um, what vehicles they're building. To that end, Pops recently had a college student who's doing a new car affordability survey reach out to me, asking if we would promote that as soon as he provides me with the link. I told him, absolutely, just share the results with us. You know, We yeah. want to be able to see, um, maybe, it, maybe it is now 90% of people who say they can't afford a new vehicle. So we have some upcoming research with a college student, so it was very kind of him to reach out. You can always get in touch with us, folks, back at caredge.com slash community on the community forum, or you can email or on uh, Instagram, all that fun stuff. Try my best to be responsive there. Dad, can we go into our favorite segment of the show? Really? You've got to be kidding me. Ford promises more <laughs> dealer engagement than Skip's Q&A. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nothing says nothing says uh, we're full of poop quite like that. Yeah, yeah. We're going to encourage and we promise greater communications, but don't ask us any questions, damn it, because we're not here to answer any. Just take our word for it. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they are, they are, in my opinion, they are <laughs> a really strange company, okay? They've, they've basically uh, farmed out their quality control to social media, where they've said, hey, uh, we'll we'll depend on social media to to folks on social media to let us know if and when they found any problems, and it's more like when, not if. Um, so so that they basically said, you know, quality is job none. We, we we don't care if there's any. You'll tell us if the crap breaks. You'll let us know if there's an issue. You'll let us know. And and and. Then they say to their dealers, yeah, we we understand we haven't been as communicative as we should have been. Uh, the lines of communication probably haven't been as open as they should have been. And we're going to do something about that. We're going to we're going to improve communications. But you just can't ask us anything. OK, you can't <laughs> ask us when you can't ask us how they were. There will be there will be no Q&A because. You might have questions, but we sure as hell don't have answers. That, that is, and then, and then to to take Henry Ford's great great granddaughter and appoint her in charge of of dealer relations or whatever kind of nonsense. It's like, yeah, she's qualified because so and so. I don't know. Maybe she is qualified. Exactly, you know, she might be qualified. Neither of us have done be, any research. Yeah, she might be, and then. Here, let me explain it to you, okay? She might be, but more than likely she's not, okay? And the reason I say that is I worked at enough dealerships 
where I saw owners put their kids in positions that they did not belong in simply because the owner felt, well, you know, the fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. Well, it doesn't mean the fruit's any good. You know, just because you're the son or the daughter of a dealership owner doesn't mean that you can run a dealership. It just means you're the son or the daughter of a dealership owner. So in this particular case, in, in her case, Alana Four or whatever her last name is, I don't know. In, in her case, it just means she's the great, great granddaughter of, of Henry Ford. It doesn't mean that she's qual. It doesn't mean just because, you know, through genetics that she knows how any of this crap works. It just doesn't mean that at all. It means she got a job based on her last name, in my opinion. Just like to publicly acknowledge, um, yeah. so my dad and I work together at work. My girlfriend recently started doing some uh, part-time design work at Car Edge. So you know what, man? I I can't I can't get too overboard on the nepotism, but we're you know I mean jokes aside, Dad, I get where you're coming from, and um, I I do hear you loud and clear. I think the fact that Ford literally said we're going to improve <laughs> communication, and then does I mean they're at the national. I mean that just that was really you got to be kidding me. 101. Let's come back to the chat here for just a moment, Pops, from the Reclamation Project. Thank you for your contribution. Thank you. Good morning from Phoenix. Good morning, Ronning, from Phoenix. My EV went down 20% in trade-in value in just the last month. Got it in May. Thanks for the great content today. Wowza, Dad. How, we haven't even covered that, the negative equity crisis for EV early adopters. Those people, when they do go to train in that electric vehicle, are probably going to be shocked by how much more they owe on it than what it's worth. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, the, the negative equity crisis is, an, is, is a crisis uh, even before the negative equity on EVs because the negative equity on EVs has got to be much higher than the average negative equity on an uh, internal combustion engine vehicle. And, 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 you know, the chart with the used car prices give back or used car values give back 56% of their high watermark, um, that indicates that two years ago, anybody who bought a used car severely overpaid. And, yeah. and two years ago, if you bought an EV, you severely overpaid. And that's going to come back to haunt everybody because there will be any number of people who bought a car two years ago who used to always think of themselves on that. Well, I'm on the two year plan. I get a new car every two years, whether I need one or not. Well, those people might want to, but they're not going to be in a position to because the amount of negative equity they're carrying is going to prevent them from fulfilling their goals of being on that two year plan. Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. All right. One final note, folks. I want to remind everyone back at CarEdge.com. We have tons of free resources and we've organized them, folks, under resources in the tippy top nav here. So go check out the community forum, deal school, car dealer reviews. Buy, before you buy a car, search for our car dealer reviews. You can see our exclusive Car Edge deals, free guides, the cheat sheets, strategy card, the data, the shop. Please go check it out, everyone. CarEdge.com and then resources up in the top right corner. Pops, I got to jump. Yeah, go join a meeting. I will see you tomorrow at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, and I can't wait for it. You know, I, I must say I'm looking forward to it. And if I may, since you put it out on Twitter, I certainly hope your gas passed.
Sorry. <laughs> it's working its way through. I love you. Thank I you love everyone. you too. <laughs> <laughs> See you tomorrow.